Today, I want to look at culture inside the church. Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose from the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmius and Nicholas, the pros a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great number of priests became obedient to the faith. All right? I don't know if you realize we spent like four Sundays in chapter five, but chapter six is going to go a little quicker. Um, the Hellenist Jews, let me help you with a little bit of understanding there. They would pretty much be the more liberal thinking Jews, okay? They would be the more liberal thinking. Here's the reason why. They are, the Hellenist Jews are separated from the, the traditional Jews in the fact that they have embraced more of the Greek culture, even to the point that they spoke Greek uh, among themselves. And, and, and so they had found that it, for them, sort of blending in with the Greeks made business and everything just flow better. And so that's what sort of distinguished them from the other. So um, here the church is, and it's growing, but the reality of it is, is it's a blend of two different kinds of Jewish believers. <clears throat> and didn't seem to be a problem until all of a sudden there was. And it came over the widows. Now, that, I don't think there was really a clue. I, I think pretty much this was one of those things that sort of snuck up, you know, nobody saw it coming. But all of a sudden, the, the, the Hellenistic Jews declared, you know, our widows are not getting a fair portion or the right amount. And the bottom line is, was it? Was it a, were they being shortchanged? Or was it just an oversight? You know, was it on purpose? Was it accidental? Um, who knows? But the apostles... I believe their first thought was, well, you know what? We're not doing this on purpose. It's just too many moving parts and not enough people supervising. And so they made a decision. And I think what they did, the idea of bringing in more helpers is very relevant. Uh, but I like the fact that what they did is they didn't make an issue out of something that didn't need to be made an issue. They went for, the, they went for a solution instead, okay? Because the reality of what we see here is that the church then was very much a blend of different worldviews. The church today is a, is a blend of different Christian worldviews. Uh, the church today is a blend <laughs> of liberal and conservative Christians. Now, I'm gonna, I, I made the comment in the first service. I said, you're probably going to say, I never dreamed that the pastor would ever preach that. So listen tight. But the, 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 the church is a blend of liberal and conservative Christians. <clears throat> now, let's get it set in motion the right way. The, the Bible is the Bible, and you cannot because it does not waver from truth, okay? What the Bible says, the Bible says, and it's truth. Where it speaks, 
where it is clear, I don't think there should be a bunch of different opinions. All right? And to be considered narrow-minded, which is okay, because I might be, um, the truth of the matter is, is many of today's issues have been addressed very clearly by the Bible, and they shouldn't be issues. Okay? And I think they're only issues because there is a hard-heartedness in this generation. And I cite, for example, basically going to Mark chapter 10, where the Pharisees came and they tested Jesus. And their, their, their question was this, what did Moses command? And that was about adultery, not adultery, excuse me, divorce. So, so the Jewish people had, had for a long time been used to just, you know, if you got tired of your wife, you just put her away and got you another one. Or you got three or four of them, you don't need that one anyway, right? Sorry, I'm just joking. But anyway, point is, is this whole matter of divorce the way they were looking at it at that particular time. And so they, they, they were going to test him, and they said, well, you know, uh, what about the lawfulness of divorce? And Jesus looked at them and said, well, what did Moses command? And it's really interesting because you read it in the text, their response was, well, Moses permitted. Now, how many of you know there's a difference between a command and permission, right? And it is at that point right there, that Jesus makes a statement that's tremendously important for everybody. He looks at him and, and he looks at them and he says, he says this, Moses did that because their hearts were hard. All right? And hard-hearted Christians make issues out of things that ought not to be issues. It just shouldn't be. The Bible is very clear about this or about that. And, you know, I think I said one of the very first times I was ever here, I, my opinion is whatever the Bible's opinion is, okay? Because that's, that's what he says and what is spoken clearly. That's the way it's got to be. But I'm not here to talk about issues. <laughs> differences are, are just issues. I'm here to talk to you about differences. <clears throat> the Bible is not clear on every subject with the same kind of clarity it is about other subjects. And the church, because of that, is full of differing views about different things. And I'm just going to throw some out. You ready? Um, alcohol. Drugs. Counseling. Marriage. Lawsuits. Birth control. Equality. Prosperity. Miracles. Worship. The Holy Spirit. Communion. Very important that I understand something. You know what? You can be a Christian and not believe that God does miracles anymore. There are some that think that, that church needs to have communion every Sunday and other churches that it's a special thing that you do at certain times. You make it big and special. There are some that believe that alcohol isn't wrong if done in moderation. And then there's others that believe that it's a society's weakness and that it just basically needs to be abstained from to set an example. Are you catching all that? In some cases, there's right. In some cases, there's wrong. Today, I'm talking to you about right versus wrong versus different. Different. And I want to take you to a verse of Scripture. I'm jumping out of Acts to 1 Corinthians 8. It'll come up here. 
It says, however, not all possess this knowledge. Now, you got to go back and read one through six to understand what he's talking about. But this knowledge is in reference to the fact that there is one God, there are no other gods, and that idols are not gods, they are creations of men, okay? But some people still have an idea that an idol is a god, just not the god. All right, so with that in mind, it says, but some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol. Or really, In other words, they believe they really were eating something that was offered to God. And their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, no better off if we do. Next slide, please. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. All right, so let's explain that. <clears throat> it's easy to focus on that this food was offered up to idols as something that is associated with the devil, something that is associated with the world that's, that, that is not good, that it causes reasons to stumble. And so, you know, you shouldn't do it. And, and that's got a valid point to it. Some would focus on this and say, well, you know what? But I have a right. I have a right. And you know, there's going to be somebody that stumbles over everything. So you can't just not do anything. And there's some validity to that also. But then here's a different view. You ready? This would be me. <laughs> Why would somebody with knowledge ever want to be in an idol's temple eating anything? So one would say, well, you know, this is right and that's wrong. And the other person would say, no, this is right and that's not to even be considered that way. And then, then you'd have somebody like me say, you know, why do you even want to be in that position? All right? Right, wrong, different. Now, you know, if you've been around me, I am pretty strict in my beliefs, in my expectations of what it means to live the Christian life. Uh, more so than some, not as much as I'm sure others. But for unity's sake, I've had to realize, because I'm talking to me as much as anybody, I've had to realize that there's right and there's wrong, and then there's just different. It sure is quite in the house of God. Now, I believe I'm right in my interpretation of the Bible. If I see something in the Scripture, I preach it, I, I stand on it, I believe I'm right. I would not be a very good preacher if I was not absolutely convinced that what I am teaching you is truth that will set you free. I should give it up, okay, if I did not believe that. Um, but there are others who differ in some of their beliefs from me who are absolutely is just convinced that they are right, okay? Now, in some cases, the difference is they create a, a, a separation because if, if you're going to actually stand with the idea that sin is okay, then we're basically going to end up having the inability to, to have unity together, all right? Because you are 
there. And I, but, but to uh, the other degree, the reality of it is, is that sometimes it's just different. And sometimes it's different because of how you were brought up, of how you were indoctrinated. Uh, sometimes it's just differences in beliefs, like the miraculous. Okay, that's a, that's a belief called cessation, where you don't necessarily believe that God still does miracles. All right, but here's the bottom line. If you truly believe and have put your faith in Jesus Christ that he is the Lord and Savior and that he's the only way to heaven and that you have put your trust in him, then the reality of it is, is I cannot discount you that you are not a brother or sister in Christ if you have put your faith and hope in Jesus Christ, even though we're not the same. We're, we, we don't see everything the same. You know what's nice about this church? We are a Heinz 57. We're, we're mutts. We are a background of everything under the sun. If I, were to, if I were to start calling out some denominations, there'd be several people in here say, yeah, I, I mean, that's what I used to go to, and that's what I used to go to, and that's what I used to go to, all right? So we are a variety. And, and every time I preach, there's a possibility that there is something that I say, well, that you might say, well, you know, that's not exactly the way I was taught. That's not the way it, it was. I was brought up like that. Guess what? It's okay. Because you love the Lord and you want to serve the Lord. And so we may have some differences and it's okay. The early church what, what is really cool about what I see when I read this is that the traditional Jew was not trying to turn the Hellenistic Jew back into a traditional Jew. They were just accepting them. All right, we're, we're, we're a little different in, in how we see things, but here's what we know. You gave your heart to Jesus, and you believe that he is the Lord and Savior, and I believe that. And so even though you don't practice this culture anymore that I still am very firmly a belief, believer of, we are now unified by what? The blood of Jesus Christ. The salvation of our souls through Jesus Christ that unites us together. <clears throat> if there is enough common ground in our belief that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, we ought to be able to get unified in better ways. When you have a culture that can look at us and go, you know, every one of you guys and every one of your churches think you're right, <laughs> but y'all can't even get together. Doesn't that basically cause us, to, or should that not basically cause us to stop and think, yeah, how in the world, if God only has one church, the church of the redeemed, if he has only one body, the body of Christ, how is it that, that we would take the mentality that we'll do us, let them do them, and then when we all die, we'll find out who was right? Well, how about we all are, are right if we're trusting in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, even if you would do this and I wouldn't? You with me? <clears throat> Without a unified message, we really are making it harder to reach the loss and to, and, and to permeate into their culture truth. 
Now, here's an important point, okay? Maybe we're thinking that we got to change people when we need to do more accepting of people. Now, I'm not saying accept sin. You are not going to hear that come out of my mouth. But I am talking about accepting people who would look at you and say, I have put my heart and my faith in Jesus Christ. And I don't understand and I don't believe what you're saying, but I, I have put my faith in Jesus Christ. And there is some kind of fruit of genuine salvation. You see, here's the thing. The greatest danger isn't our different views, our difference in understanding, but in our being offended and becoming divided over it. That's the greatest danger, is being offended and becoming divided over everything. The Hellenistic Jews pointed their fingers and they made accusation. You guys are not taking care of our widows. And I don't know if you've ever looked at it, but man, this was a critical moment for the church. This was Satan's opportunity to get inside the church and begin to do a devastation. It wasn't a matter of whether they were right or wrong. The question was, is they were offended. They were hurt. They felt that they were being left out. And so the early church tried to address it and fix it. I have been a pastor. You cannot be a pastor for as many years as I have been a pastor that you have not offended a lot of people, okay? I offend people. Sometimes it's because I preach, this is the way, walk in it. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna back up on that. If it's the word, it's the word. But sometimes I offend people because I am a flawed individual, and I, I, I may not be as sensitive in this area as I should be. I, I may have said something and didn't think anything about how you might interpret it from a different point of view or whatever. So all those things are factors. But here's what concerns me, okay? In the majority of the cases that I, of people that I have offended, what, what is representative, I think, of today's society is somebody gets offended and they leave. And you don't even know until you're, you're trying to get you're trying to talk to them after the fact, you know, and then you realize that, you know, this or that or whatever was offensive or a decision was made and they found that to be offensive. And, and, and so there it is. Uh, if you don't handle the offense, you have given the devil the ticket to enter into the situation. And that's the reason why Jesus taught what he did in, in Matthew chapter 5 about how you need to go and reconcile over the offense. And folks, that's really important now. You ready? Because we are a generation of people who are the most easily offended of all people in a long time. Okay? And, and what are we offended over? Everything that's different. If, if, if I don't see it the way you see it, then, then you can be offended at me. And so I, 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 I'm not a person that's standing up here to preach tolerance. I am a person up here to stand up and say, you know, there is right and there is absolute wrong, but sometimes there's just differences in how we look at things because we are the product, in some cases, of several pastors, several churches, and several teachings. And so it has affected how we look at things. And, and, and if I, I am going to hold to the offenses, then I guarantee somebody's going to offend me. If I want to be offended, I will be offended. 
If I have gotten used to being offended and I hold to my offenses, then I guarantee there is no way you cannot offend me. It's just a matter of time. Because I've got my offense alarm right on my shoulder. You bump me and it's down. And, and, and to get rid of that mentality and to just accept the fact that you see it a little bit different and it's okay because you love Jesus. You really do love Jesus. Now, if you don't love Jesus, then that, that difference is a little bit, it's going to be ex- accentuated all the time. But sometimes it's just, it's just different. Satan prays on division. He prays on division. And boy, I'll tell you what, the church has given him plenty of opportunities if we hold to our offenses. Every time something is done and we're offended, then boom, Satan says, oh, thank you for opening that door. I'll step right in. But look at the early church. Acts chapter 2. It was birth and what? Unity. They were all in one accord. In Acts chapter 4, they came back together. They prayed and they unified and God. God poured out upon them again in new boldness and fresh vision, and out the door they went again. And now here in chapter 6 is the first real challenge for divisiveness. Well, you are not doing this, and I'm, we're hurt. We're upset about it. This was a huge moment, folks, <clears throat> a huge moment for the leadership and how they could have handled it. Uh, They could have justified. We're good at that. We just justify our our stance. Well, you know what? If you saw it the way I saw it, you'd understand the way I understand it. We we are really good at at sometimes just denying. You know what? It's not really a problem. It's just you. (laughs) You need to get over it. They could have looked at him and, and said, you know what? If you don't like it, you can leave. Somebody will take your chair. There is that attitude sometimes. Now, if you don't like it, go. Take your choice and go. Folks, no, don't, don't buy into that attitude. The reality of it is, is we need each other. It is hard to be a body if we keep splintering off pieces. You leave a toe here and a finger there and an ear over there, and pretty soon you're unrecognizable. We can't have that mentality. Oh, that doesn't matter. It does matter. Here's the reason why. Put up the next slide, please. Look at this. Shallow Christians and strong Christians are all still sheep. And they all belong to the Father. All Christians are gods. And they belong to him. And, and, and I need to understand it. And, and I need to realize what we read right there in 1 Corinthians 8, chapter 11, that, that, that last verse there, that Jesus died as much for the weak brothers as he did for the strong brothers. He died for everybody. And if we never get eye to eye on some of our theological things, if Jesus is the core of our belief and the love of our soul, we need to unify. We need to become stronger through unification. We can't let differences divide us. Look at what it says here in Romans 14.1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. 
but not to quarrel over opinions. Let me explain how that really. Don't welcome your weak brother in with the mentality that you're going to fix his thinking. Wives, if you married a man with the idea that you were going to change him, how'd that work out? You might have, but it was kicking and screaming all the way. See, you don't go into it. You, you don't accept the brother this week with the idea that, you know what, we're going to fix this bad thinking, this wrong thinking, this, this, this theological uh, ineptness that I think you have or she has or whatever. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. If the focus becomes not on I'm right, but the focus becomes more on helping you and encouraging you so that we build a stronger body, how much better will the church become? It'll become a better church. But everybody here has got to believe exactly what I believe. No, they don't. Last I checked, you didn't die for anybody. Jesus is Lord. And if he saved them, they're your brothers and your sisters, even if they don't see things the way you see things. And we continue to be quiet. All right, let me be perfectly clear. You ready? There's no room for compromise. There's no room to call wrong right ever. But sometimes it's not right or wrong. It's just different. If you think you haven't had church until you've had communion on Sunday, it's okay. It's okay. <clears throat> we need to have the right attitude with our brothers and sisters when they would do this and you wouldn't, or they look at you and they say, well, I wouldn't do that, but you don't feel convicted about it. We need to be able. You know, I, I, I never want to have the attitude of my roommate in college, all right? My roommate in college used to say this. He used to say, you have the right to your opinion, even though you're wrong. And I don't want to take that mentality that, you know what, all right, that's all right, I understand. You have that right. You're so wrong, but you have that right. <clears throat> we must bear with one another until we're all perfect in the faith. All perfect in the faith. When I take the mentality that I am not perfect yet, it helps me to be able to have understanding when somebody else is not perfect. All right, so today, this incident in Acts chapter 6. Guess what? If that had happened right now, it would have been it would have been easy for a church to go, well, we're just leaving. We're going to go find something else. That could have easily split a church. Well, we're not being taken care of. Well, you're not doing what we think is right. We, we don't like the way this situation is being handled. And what do we do nowadays? We just, and, 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 and churches are like convenience stores. You just go to the one, and, then if, and, and if you don't like the, you know, if the, if the Coke's got too much, uh, what's that stuff, carbon in it, then you just, I'll go find another place where I can get the Coke that tastes just the way I like it to taste. What I love is the leadership did not mess up. 
in this situation, but instead they handled it very well. Look at what they did. This is, this is, I think this is great wisdom and a great heart. Their response was this. It says, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Listen, the apostles did not communicate in this that we are too good to take care of the widows. That was not the mentality at all. And, and, and can I tell you something? I, and I say this with all honesty. I don't know if Drew's running around here someplace or not. Pastor Drew and I, I neither one of us ever believed that we're too good to do anything that needs to get done, all right? But the beauty is the reality that the church is actually better when there are more people doing more things. And that when you know what your focus ought to be, and you are free to do what you're called and focused to do. And others who can do certain jobs can do those jobs so well. And they are given the position and the opportunity to do those things. Then all we do is make the church better. And what I love about Center Bethel, and if you're not real knowledgeable here, for whatever, is, is what we have here is we have elders and we have deacons. And then we have two pastors. Elders and deacons, people who share responsibility, people who have uh, a, a position of leadership to help make the church flow better, do better, think in more ways. And I praise God for that. Folks, I'm going to tell you, if you're a part of this church, be grateful. Be grateful. God has, has, has done something very special in this church and set it up biblically sound to make it successful if we stay on the task that God wants us to be. <clears throat> but all that goes back to right here. When a decision was made was, you know what? Okay, we have a problem. The answer is let's expand more people into leadership. Let more people have parts, moving parts, and take care of them so that we can get more, be more effective than ever before. And that's the same solution today, I believe, in everything, is, is, is always keep looking at how you can bring more people in to take other responsibilities and more responsibilities. Not that you are necessarily getting rid of all your responsibilities, but here's the reality. I used to juggle, okay? I'm going to try to juggle when I'm in Belize when at my kids' thing. As good as I was with three balls, and, and I was very, very good with three balls, I could never do four very well. I could make three balls do just about anything, but four just... You see, the reality of it is, is... You got to know what you can do and how much you can do. And, and, and there are other people that they can do this and they will do it far better than I ever dreamed. And when I'm making decisions, I like to get other people's opinions and thoughts about it because they'll see it and add to it. And if I have, and even with vision, when I have a vision of something that can be, when I begin to bring other people into it, they start making it have flesh and bone and it starts looking a whole lot better than it did in my head. Because that's the way God's designed us. 
what we glean from this passage. I'm going to do a quick review. You ready? The leadership didn't pick sides and declare one group right. Folks, the object is not to create division, it's to create unity. And if you start pointing the fingers at one being wrong and, and pointing the other fingers and going, yo, these are the right people over here, you create division. Number two, everything isn't about who's right and who's wrong. Sometimes it's just a different view, and sometimes a different view can lead to a new insight. Always try to reconcile. Always try to reconcile. All sheep are God's sheep. Say amen to at least that. All sheep are God's sheep. They're not my sheep. They're his sheep. They should recognize the, pro they recognize the problem and committed to a solution. When there is something that creates a difference, the object, the most important thing you can do is recognize the difference and then see what you can do to make it right, make it better to fix it. Always seek to resolve offenses when possible. I cannot, if you get offended because I say the word of God says this and you are absolutely convinced that that, that is an incorrect view of the scriptures, I might not be able to resolve that offense, okay? But you know what? If I can, I will. If you look at me and say, but have you ever thought about this scripture and this scripture and, and, and how that looks at this? Well, you might show me something that I didn't think of. I didn't see it from a particular angle. If love covers a multitude of sins, then cannot love cover and soften our differences so that we can work together? I believe so. If we really put more emphasis on loving one another and bearing with one another than picking out the differences that separate us, because I, I, I can almost guarantee that except for my wonderful wife who sees things the way I see things. No, but theologically, theologically, except for the fact that, you know, we are absolutely on the same page. You and I may not be exactly on the same page in everything as we interpret through the Bible, but we can be one body.